David, Odell Beckham Jr. wore a watch worth $250,000 during the game on Sunday. So I got to ask, what is the most expensive bit of gear that you've worn to do a podcast? Not that expensive. <laughs> Not that expensive. He wins. <laughs> All right, guys. We are the Poor Man's Podcast. You're a rich girl and you're gone too far because you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl, but it's gone too far because you know it don't matter anyway. Say money, money won't get you too far, get you too far. All right, it is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. Dave, uh, it's a good night. It's a little later than we had planned, but that's neither of our faults in any way, shape, or form. So to all of you listening later on, we are just right on time, I would say, right? That's how it works. All right, so I got to know, Dave, what are you drinking over there? I have a Miller High Life champagne of beers, also drinking some Buffalo Trace whiskey, and enjoying myself this evening. How about you, Jason? Fantastic. I have an all-day IPA, the Session Ale. Uh, you know, we're just taking it easy tonight. It's a stormy night here in northern Illinois, and uh, <laughs> well, you can see a ton of lightning uh, if you were to step outside, but we're going to stay inside where there is no lightning. So anyways, uh, week one went by. There's actually been football. It was amazing. For the most part, as long as you weren't me as a fantasy owner, uh, then I think you probably had a good time. Ooh. Yeah, it wasn't a good week for me. I had a great time watching football, but the rest of the fantasy aspects did not treat me kindly. Sorry to hear that, sir. At least I had Sammy Watkins in one league. Um, so anyways, let's uh, take a look at a few of the takeaways from week one. Uh, some things that maybe we can look forward to, some things that... Um, you know, I'm reminded of what we used to call fantasy fool's gold. So we'll see if we can spot any of that on our way to week two. Uh, so first of all, the Bengals had a pretty good high flying pass offense. Andy Dalton, I believe threw for a uh, career record yards, uh, which was in the 414 yard range. Um, so I, is that a range? 414 to 416? Like what's? Roughly. Uh-huh. So it must be 415-ish. <laughs> we'll just say ish. We'll leave the ish on there just to be safe. Um, so, yeah, he had 416. I don't mean to short the guy any yards. 418. My God. He's amazing. Let's just stop the presses. He also had a career high of 35 completions. Um, so clearly this is a much different offense than we're used to in Cincinnati. Um, I'm sure A.J. Green wishes he was healthy, but I think he wishes that most of the time. Um, so we saw Tyler board, Tyler Boyd get eight receptions. Uh, that usage is encouraging, even though he didn't necessarily translate it into a ton of, uh, yardage. He had only 60 yards. Um, but then we saw John Ross, which I don't think anybody expected to get seven catches for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that's some crazy shit. If you don't mind me saying so. So I want to know, Dave, is John Ross a valid starter or is it fluke? I know how I, what I think about that. What do you think? I, I think that he's going to be a starter right now until A.J. Green gets back. And then he's going to get bumped down the, you know, bumped down the chain a little bit and not going to be worth it. Because, um, you know, the Bengals, um, you know, we, we always knew that Andy Dalton could throw the ball. It was just that the offense always sucked. Like many of the situations uh, in football week one, 
there there were some people that were taken out of the game and other people then uh, flourished. In this case, there was no one taken out of the game necessarily besides Joe Mixon, who was injured. But John Ross ended up being the target because Andy Dalton was able to find some flaws in the defense, in the secondary. And we've all known that John Ross is a fast guy, etc., who has just not really been healthy, and there hasn't been an opportunity for him to shine. So good for him. But I agree with you. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a, an every week starter. But right now, with no AJ Green, if it's Tyler Boyd and John Ross every week, I think that's what we should expect. But not those kinds of gaudy numbers. Sure, but he did have 12 targets, which led the team. So that's very encouraging. I think that you can probably fire up John Ross another week. They play the 49ers. Um, the 49ers, you know, were handed a whole bunch of points by Jameis Winston. So I don't really know that the 49ers are that great either. So I think that you can go ahead and um, keep him going. Now what's interesting is that the Bengals start the season playing two NFC teams. So that's a nice little quirk of the schedule. Uh, so do you suppose John Ross is matchup dependent right now with A.J. Green out? Um, or can you? would you want to start him every week? Yeah, I, I don't think John Ross is an every week start. Okay. Um, so they did nearly win in Seattle, which was going to break up a bunch of survivor pools. But um, I am going to start him this week against the Niners, uh, where I did manage to pick him up. Um, so I feel confident in that, especially with the Niners coming across the country playing at noon again, just like they did last week. Well, you didn't pick him up to put him on the bench. You're pot dependent uh, uh, right now. Pot committed. Pot committed. That's right. So I'm 0-1. What, whether or not you want to, you're going to start. <laughs> uh, so the Tennessee Titans were a surprise to everybody, especially the Browns. Um, so the Browns were probably the most hyped team going into the preseason in terms of like the biggest improvement, the biggest team to watch. And of course they fell on their faces in week one. Uh, so the Titans had a hundred yards from scrimmage from both AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry, I would say is probably definitely, it's definitely going to be a first an every week starter at this point, just because he has such a high ceiling right now. Um, so I would, uh, put Derrick Henry firmly in the RB2 category uh, going forward with only the toughest sort of matchups, um, you know, where you would want to sit him. And I don't even know off the top of my head what kind of matchups you would sit him against. So he had a 75-yard touchdown catch. He also had another touchdown on the ground, uh, 84 yards on the ground. So 165, 64 yards from scrimmage is pretty badass. Um and you also had A.J. Brown, who is the rookie. Uh, he had three catches for 100 yards. He basically had, like, two long catches and one really short one. Um, but there was enough, I would say, in order to uh, gain the attention of opposing defenses. And they will probably need to treat Tennessee a little differently now that they have a deep threat. Um, so I want to know, Dave, do you think that Tennessee can continue to put up points every week? Or is this a fluke of... Um, you know, playing the Browns, I guess. The Browns have a good defense. I don't see any flukes here. I like A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown was actually, by many experts, considered the best wide receiver in this entire draft. The question was, did he go to a landing spot where he was going to get the targets? And I think the answer from, from this game is that they're going to try to get him the ball. A.J. Brown is a better receiver than Corey Davis. He's a better receiver than many of the receivers that are number ones on regular football teams right now. So I, I, do, I do agree that A.J. Brown will continue to do well. 
I know uh, uh, some some people that have uh, an affection towards Corey Davis, and that may happen as well. But with Derrick Henry being out there and being able to boss around the defensive lines, I don't know that they need to throw the ball 40, 45 times per game. They, so, yeah, they only threw the ball 24 times. So the targets may be sparse, but uh, hopefully directed well. And I think the A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are both really good players going forward, even though I don't really like Mariota as a quarterback. Um, but I, I would say that I think that players like Corey Davis are probably going to lose some targets. People that, that they might have thought are the incumbent in this offense are not going to be as good. Yeah, Corey Davis had three targets, zero catches. Um, so it was A.J. Brown doing the work, and it was also Delaney Walker doing the work. He had five catches for 55 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so is um, I think that um, Delaney Walker is going to be a top-ten tight end. Um, he will be, Jason, as long as he's healthy. Exactly, and that's been a big question mark for him. But at 35, I think that you know he can stay healthy for a whole season. So every, it's not unreasonable. Every year, people forget when when someone is is gone for a season, like Delaney Walker was last year. Um, they forget that uh, that those players are amazing. And right. Delaney oh, yeah. Walker, granted, like he may not have that many more seasons left in him, but when he plays in that offense with Mariota. He's going to be the number one red zone target, and so he's going to get those touchdowns. He's got a good one in him this year, I think. Yeah. Um, So they play the Colts this week. Uh, I think that that's a matchup that's going to be good for Delaney Walker, for Derrick Henry. We just saw, I think, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, Do I bring this matchup up later? I do not. But this is another good matchup that I did not uh, bring up in our matchups for later on. The... um, Colts gave up a bazillion points to Austin Eckler. So they're giving up a lot of points to opposing running backs. Derrick Henry is going to be that guy. So I think he's an RB1 this week. Um, I would put him as maybe like the eighth best running back off the top of my head. Um, So if you like him in DFS, if he's cheap, something like that, definitely go with him this week. And uh, Delaney Walker, his value is probably going to be jumping pretty quickly. Um, just because, like you said, everyone's going to remember who De- Delaney Walker is now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, look for A.J. Brown. If he was not picked up for some reason on the waiver wire, uh, you know, he is definitely worth rostering right away. I don't know that he's going to be worth starting every week, unlike a John uh, a John Ross. Um, but A.J. Brown is probably going to wind up being the number one receiver at the end of the year on that team. See, I would much rather have A.J. Brown than John Brown, John Ross. It's because you and I have a complicated history with John Ross. No, it's because John Ross <laughs> is a boomer bust downfield target when the secondary misses. And A.J. Brown Isn't is... Isn't that a, what A.J. Brown is? A.J. Brown is a huge guy that can get contested catches that's, that's a large prototypical receiver. It's a different kind of guy. He's not, he's not a fast downfield threat small guy. Okay. That's what... That's what uh, uh, John Ross is. John Ross is a speedster. You know what I mean. So that's the difference between them. No, I'm not. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't start John Ross, but AJ Brown is a is a different guy, different kind of receiver. Okay. Uh, side note: Do you uh, are you worried about the Browns in that performance, or do you think that that was something that they can shrug off? Am I worried about the Browns? Well, they were hyped to, and they were drafted high. I mean, are, are you panicking on the Browns if you were? Buying stock in the Browns, or are you saying, ha, they are what we thought they were? Do you want me to tell the truth? 
I want you to lie to me, Dave, so I feel better about my team. I think the Browns are a horrible team. <laughs> they, they might as well be uh, a dumpster outside of McDonald's lit on fire. Okay. They they, they can have as many players and Tell draft us how picks. you really feel, Dave. They can have as many players and draft picks as they want. The Browns will screw it up somehow. <laughs> All right. I mean, is, hasn't that been history? <laughs> Show I guess me. I feel like last year they didn't do that. Last year they got rid of the coach. They started winning games. And what what was their uh, what was their record? Seven, eight, and one. Best the Browns can do. Dude, they were like two games behind the Steelers. It wasn't like it, it was it was worthy of being fantasy relevant. Hey, we're not we're not gonna. Uh, I'm not picking them to win the division. We're not gonna turn this That's into clearly an argument right between now. Steelers and Browns because the Steelers didn't make the playoffs either. The point is the Browns are not a good team. They may have good players, but they're not yet a good team. They don't have good coaching. They're not a good organization. That's a good way of putting it. Doesn't that make sense? That's a fair way of putting it. I I can get behind that. Yeah, I mean, show me two years where they have a, a winning record, and I'll tell you they've become a good team. Not okay. yet. Uh, so the Falcons' offense didn't bother uh, getting on the plane to Minnesota. They got there late. Uh, they only scored 12 points in like the fourth quarter. They were already down 28 to nothing. I didn't know they got there late. Yeah, they they didn't show up for the game. That's why it was like that. That's why they didn't have. That's why Kirk Cousins didn't have to throw the ball at all. So United was it had like uh, some delays or something. Uh, yeah, I think that the old man was skimping on flights. He bought everybody coach sheets, and there was they were oversold. Oh shit! I don't know. I'm I'm now making all of this up. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, so I want to know: is it a cause for concern for the Falcons? I personally. I'm not that concerned for the Falcons. They have way too much talent. They are a better coach team than, like, the Browns. Um, so a touchdown saved the fantasy day for Jones and Ridley. Otherwise, I think people would be panicking a bit more on the Falcons. Um, Devontae Freeman may be the one that you'd have to worry about because he only had 31 yards on 12 touches, but I think that the Vikings' defense is going to be something that is pretty dominant all year so they're obviously not going to need to face that again this season the falcons this week will be going up against the eagles on sunday night football uh the eagles gave up a lot of points to washington uh at the beginning of the game so i think that you know this is going to be a lot more of an even game for the falcons at least um so um i i think that fantasy wise the falcons rebound and that you shouldn't be worried to start them where are you at on the falcons dave Again, here's a team where uh, everyone traditionally every year gets all excited about the Falcons, and they almost always disappoint. With the exception of what one one year where Matt Ryan was fantastic, and then everything worked. And Matt Ryan was MVP, and they went to the Super Bowl. But yeah, yeah that's one year. I just feel like uh, hopefully you didn't draft all your players from the Falcons and the Browns, Jason. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I may have a team that's half that <laughs> because these are teams that people get excited about and they get blown up, and then uh, and there's all these reasons why you should be happy about them. And if people are saying that the Falcons are going to win because they're playing in a dome most of the games. These are the same people that say, I can only date you if you're a Scorpio and I'm a, a, you know, a Virgo. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. It has nothing to do with, with anything. I don't believe in the Falcons or the Browns as a franchise that will automatically do well because they have good players on the team. I think that sometimes quarterbacks like to be indoors. I, but I, the team itself, yeah, it's different. So I don't believe in the Falcons. I don't see any reason why they'll suddenly do better just because the season has moved to week two. Uh, and I will say this. 
The Eagles had a problem against the Redskins in the first half. You're completely right. But in the second half, they showed them who they were. They solved it, yeah. And so if that's the case and we're trending that way, why why would they just do the same thing? Uh, that formula is not going to be – the Eagles are not going to allow for the formula to be, uh, be bullshit the first half, better the second half. Yeah. So I, I think the Falcons are a better team this year than the Browns are. I, I don't think they're a horrible football team. I just don't put stock in the whole, uh, we're playing in the Dome, we're playing in sunny outside stadium, so we're going to be better. So we have the Bengals as a more surpri- surprising team than we thought, probably a little bit more fantasy value than we thought. Uh, the Titans, probably actually a decent team this year. Um, the Browns, not a good team, but they have good talent. Uh, we're split on the Falcons. I like the Falcons. Dave doesn't like the Falcons. Glenn thinks that the Falcons are a poo. I like Falcons. All right. Well, yeah. I don't mean to you know <laughs> disparage the fine noble creature that are Falcons. Uh, so finally, we'll go to Baltimore, where they put up a franchise record fifty nine points. Um, uh, but they played the Dolphins, so you know you have to take it with a grain of salt there. Um, so how real is the offensive explosion? Is it a product of playing Miami, who is really, really bad? Um, I think that um, the offensive explosion is real in that they still ran the ball like 43 times, which is what they want to do. It just wasn't being run by Lamar Jackson because he was actually throwing the ball. So if he can throw the ball and they can still run the ball that much, that is a real offense that is going to do really well this year. Um, what do you think? Well, we all knew that Lamar Jackson was a talented quarterback, and they, they drafted a whole bunch of, uh, of threats that he could use on the outside. So Marquise Brown, etc. He got a lot of uh, wide receivers that he could use. He also has uh, Mark Ingram that was just brought in and Mark Andrews, uh, which is a really good uh, tight end safety valve. So there's no reason why uh, Baltimore shouldn't be good as the year progresses. However, when we look at the score itself and say how much they beat Miami by, I think most of that has to be attributed to how horrible Miami is. Yes. Now, I'm not saying Baltimore is bad. They will be good. And if you have Lamar Jackson, you're going to score fantasy points no matter what. The most surprising thing about that whole matchup, in fact, was that Lamar Jackson didn't run the ball. But he didn't have to. And he was trying to prove people wrong. And so he did. I he think had thrown like two touchdowns before he had a rushing attempt, I think. It was a statement game by the Baltimore Ravens, and what better statement to make and what better time to make it than against the Miami Dolphins on opening week. We all know that Miami is tanking. They they can do nothing to cover that up. They have no one in their stands. You know, it's, it's ridiculous out there. So uh, every team playing Miami is going to be amazing. That, we don't even want to know what's going to happen with New England versus Miami. I know. I mean, New England will finally get that monkey off their back and get a win and. Uh, you know, New England will get a win in Miami. If New Poor Eng- guys can never win there. If New England loses, <laughs> if the Patriots lose in Miami to this team, it would be it would be epic, man. It would be epic. So, uh, have you done your rankings yet this week, Dave? Yeah, they've been up since yesterday. Do you have Lamar Jackson in the top ten of quarterbacks? Uh, let me let me look that up for you. Okay, I personally would like to see him as a QB one. Um, they play. Uh, I'm supposed to have this information in <laughs> hand. Instead, I just have to say words and bullshit. So, so I, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, they're the Ravens. They play the Cardinals. Are play the Cardinals at home? Are there people that don't have Lamar Jackson in the top ten? Like, what what kind of idiots are they? I'm I'm confused about that. So, where is he on your list? Two, two, bam! 
You heard it here, folks. So the Cardinals did have kind of a weak defense. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. So what about Marquise Brown? Are you starting him every week, or is that a kind of a fluky thing, and you'd rather go with one of the other rookies? So I, I mean, love, if we're comparing the rookies. I love Marquise Brown. If we look at the, the rankings that I have up, I have him as number 41. That's right in between Will Fuller and Larry Fitzgerald. That's six points higher than the average expert ranking. So I do think he's still going to be valued in the game, but I don't think that they're going to be able to just suddenly throw the ball off to Brown all the time. One, because uh, the defensive coordinators on these teams are not idiots. They know who they need to guard. They know who's going to be explosive. Uh, but two, because Marquise Brown is a rookie and he's he's going to get schooled by some of these defensive backs, and um, he may be he may be a wonder kind, you know, wunderkind. Uh, uh, well, I'm not German, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> allow may, me. He may be a wunderkind uh, in a couple of years or something like that. But right now, he's still a rookie entering the NFL. I I do not think that he's suddenly going to have two touchdowns a game. So I do have him no, in there. No, that would be incredible. Yeah, I have him as a wide receiver three slash four. I think that's fair. I think uh, we could consider a couple of deep routes. So he may be your boom, boom or bust kind of guy where if you if you have a matchup that you really need to, uh, to win, you could put out a guy like Marquise Brown. But it's too early in the season to determine what he is yet. Sure, I think we've definitely seen his ceiling as of last week. But I feel like his floor is going to be... Four targets, one catch, twenty yards. Exactly. So he may get uh, he may get two points. Uh, he may get twenty points, and and that's that's the kind of guy he is. So in an offense that probably still won't pass the ball a lot, they only passed it twenty six times. Um, you got to look for Mark Andrews, in my opinion. I think that he is a tight end one. He was eight catches on eight targets for one hundred and eight yards and eight touchdowns. No, just one touchdown. Um, <laughs> so um, is he in your top ten of tight ends? I, I have your list up now. I can answer my own question if you don't have it. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Mark Andrew is number eight. Yeah. How appropriate, Dave. <laughs> so, clearly, you like uh, Mr. Andrews as well. You have him uh, right on track with the other ECR. Uh, that would be the expert consensus rankings on fantasypros.com. So, um, uh, was there anything else that surprised you about week one, Dave? Uh Sure, uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about it as we as we move on to the rest of the podcast. I, I think the, the the things that you brought out were very important. I think the other thing that surprised me a little bit was that the Raiders offense was actually able to uh, convert third downs and did pretty well. Uh, that might also mean that Denver is not so great. And uh, the last thing that surprised me was uh, the Pittsburgh-New England game. Uh, but, I mean, New England traditionally doesn't come out of the box very strong, and they really did this year, whereas Pittsburgh was looking like uh, they were down in the dumps. So You know, we were saying before the season, both Pittsburgh and New England tend to start slow. Well, they do. They don't They don't usually pick up till, uh, till October or, or even November. So uh, the fact that New England was so strong, I saw tweets from all over. I saw beat reporters talking about it. I saw Reddit threads. Uh, everyone was like, it's okay, Pittsburgh. We're all scared, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
remember, folks, there's a theme to the music, all the music we're playing tonight. Uh, let us know what it is, and you may win a prize. You can hit us up on Twitter, slide into those DMs. You can email us, drink 5 Jason at drink5.com, of course. Jason's always wanted to say slide into those DMs. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Um, let's talk about injury impacts on the website. I've got an article up, uh, fantasy injury impacts for week two. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling good here tonight, but these guys are not. And so let's try to get through them. But I, I really feel bad every year. We always start off with a couple of injury reports and this one is not so great. Some of these guys may not be. Uh, the people that you necessarily want to focus on for a redraft league that has a very short roster. But I know that a lot of us now are playing Superflex. I know a lot of us are doing PPR. And a lot of us have more bench spots or even playing um, uh, Keeper Leagues or Dynasty Leagues. And good for you guys, man. I mean, the more, yeah. the more fantasy, the better. The deeper the fantasy, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I have not reached a bottom just yet, so let's continue on. Uh, keep digging, right? I, th- I feel like I've seen the bottom, but I haven't really gotten all the way there he's seen the bottom the bottom was like 12 leagues uh (laughs) (laughs) he's like i get up in the morning and i can't do anything else i have to reserve all of tuesday for uh for waivers so let's talk about nick Foles' broken left clavicle uh he underwent surgery already with uh without plate and screws uh, sorry, with, with plate and screws. And so if you have the plate and screws in the surgery, that allows for an earlier return. So six to eight weeks, um, like the injury to Aaron Rodgers throwing shoulder in 2017, except that the injury that Aaron Rodgers had was to his throwing arm uh, and throwing shoulder. And Nick Foles, it's not his throwing shoulder. Oh, that is good. his non-throwing shoulder, which means that he might be able to come back in... Uh, in uh, Probably he's he went on IR right so week ten I assume it would be. Um, did they actually IR him? I think they did. If they IR'd him, then I think week ten is uh, week ten or eleven now. I think is the return. I think it's ten, but you can you can find it out. I am looking that up right now. And so that should limit the amount of time spent on the sideline for him. But in the meantime, Gardner Minshew the second, who is three percent owned by the way in Yahoo leagues, and I'm looking at Yahoo leagues when I say the percentage owned will serve as his replacement, and Josh Dobbs from uh, Pittsburgh, former Steeler, as the backup. Now, Minshew was just drafted this year in round six. He was the 178th pick overall. And he put on a good show against the Chiefs. It was 22 for 25. He was breaking records there for a minute until he threw an interception and had some uh, uh, incompletions. But 22 completions for 275 yards and two touchdowns, one interception. He could definitely be a QB2 in Superflex leagues. So I'm sure that he's already been grabbed in a lot of those, but the fact that he's only 3% owned tells me that people don't believe in him yet. I will tell you this. I he, think they don't believe he exists yet. He, Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, part of the, the reason why you're listening to this fantasy program right now, whether it this be program. live or after, is because you care about... Uh, finding people before everyone else does. Oh, he's now owned in 4% of leagues, Dave. So he moved up a percent. That's a 33% increase. But Gardner might end up being a better quarterback than people like uh, Case Keenum, for example, people that uh, that other people grabbed off the waivers even earlier or with more of their uh, acquisition budget. I was impressed with Gardner. He started the game and had 13 straight completions. That's not bad. That's my point. 
So we will see what he's made of this week against Houston, who doesn't have the most amazing defense, but certainly has a good defense, and they could mess him up a little bit. If he has two good weeks in a row, then you know that he'll probably be owned by 25% or 20% of Yahoo leagues, at least those leagues that are playing super flex positions. Moving on to Tevin Coleman, he had a high ankle sprain. He was injured in the first play of the game, which is just sad. <laughs> That's rough. And Coleman has been injured many times before. He has shown a lot of uh, uh, ability, but he has also shown that he's an injury-prone player. And so he won't be going on IR because the high ankle sprain has been judged to be one that will he'll only miss probably, uh, I think they said, uh, three to five games or something like Must that. Must have been the first quarter. He did have a few. He had eight touches. No, he kept playing. Oh, I see. But he was injured in the first place. I got you. I got you. Uh, And that's why he wasn't doing so well. (laughs) No, he did not put up good numbers. Well, he had a sprain. (laughs) So the 49ers will use Matt Breda and Raheem Mostert. Uh, Raheem is 10% owned. Breda is already owned in most of of all the fantasy leagues. And he will be the guy who is uh, able to handle a little bit of everything. Look at him from last year. He's uh, put up 153 rushes in 2018 for 814 yards and three touchdowns. That's 5.3 yards per carry. 27 receptions for 261 and two touchdowns. Yeah, he, he led the league in yards per carry for most of the year. He famously came in after Jarek McKinnon was injured. And then again, Jarek McKinnon was injured this year, which is going to keep happening, I think. As long as he's on the Niners, he's going to get a preseason injury and he will never play another snap in the NFL. But here's the interesting thing for me, which is that Raheem, no one seems to be paying attention to. And he's averaged 6.7 yards per carry over his career. He had 9 for 40 in week 1 and actually had a 15-yard touchdown that was canceled due to a flag. Now, if he had How had How many touchdowns were canceled in that game? Uh, well, oh, man. Was... There was two for Brait and two for Kittle. Yes. And one for Mostert? Yes. Wow. So, if Raheem Mostert had had that touchdown, he would have been picked up by a lot more people. Right now he's only 10% owned. He seems like a guy who's much more built than Breda. Breda came out of that game with dehydration uh, once or twice, and every single time he's played over the period of a year, he's always had small injuries. He's never really held up well to to uh, all of the carries. So I think Mostert is a guy to own. I think you have to get him now. If you don't get him now in a couple of games, he's going to be unattainable. Uh, so that's that's my opinion there. Uh, I like Mostert. I, I like Breda Moore, obviously. Just, I say obviously because you know that I've talked him up a lot um, just because of the fact that he comes back all the time. Um, but, you know, Breda's owned in 84% of leagues. Mostert's only owned in 11% of leagues. Well, we're talking about players so that, that are going to an, be coming up, you know, as opposed to players that already exist or players that are already owned by everyone. Of course, Breda is going to have more work now. But more work for Breda also means more possibility of getting injured. And the only guy who's back there is Mostert. So that could be, you know, somebody's uh, lucky rabbit foot. You know what I mean? You know, it's just that the all of the 49ers running backs get hurt all the time. Forever. Okay. Joe Mixon sprained right ankle. He did not participate in practice on Wednesday. Uh, it looked like the injury was bigger than what it actually is. However, they have not come out and said exactly what it is, so we don't know. Looks like he's headed for a game-time decision on Sunday, and if he doesn't play Giovanni Bernard, who's been here before and already filled in for Mixon, knows what's up, and he's a really, really good fill-in because he's an all-purpose back. 
So Giovanni Bernard is a guy you should absolutely 100% start this week. Whether or not Joe Mixon comes back, in my opinion, because Joe Mixon, if he comes back, is not going to be 100%. That said, Giovanni Bernard is not only a fill-in starter, but with Rodney Anderson going to IR and Mixon starting off the season injured, I think his fantasy production will go back to what it was a couple years ago, and then he'll get more carries, more touches, uh, and generally more fantasy production. So Giovanni Bernard, 36% owned, is a really great buy right now. Yeah, I like uh, Bernard... Not just because I like saying his name, Giovanni Bernard, but with Mixon out, he's going to be getting at least 15 touches per game. And any running back you can count on for that or more who has the talent uh, and can catch the ball out of the backfield is somebody who should probably be in most starting lineups unless you're completely stacked at that position. Darius Geis has a meniscus sprain slash tear. We're not really sure what, unless news has broken uh, following what I looked at this afternoon. He injured his other non-ACL knee, uh, so it's not... But he does have an ACL in the knee that he injured. Let's make sure that that's clear. (laughs) True. He also has an ACL in that knee. Uh, The team is trying to figure out whether he'll need surgery or not. Adrian Peterson, who's 53% owned, was starting at running back. So I think is a guy you need to grab immediately if you haven't already on waivers. The problem with Adrian Peterson is that he's getting older, etc. They they had him as an early scratch, um, not an early scratch, a, a healthy scratch, a healthy scratch for the first time in his career in this game, which means to uh, the Redskins that they don't really want him to be the guy. They they just did it before because they didn't have a guy. Um, and now I think that the important person to focus on is not Adrian Peterson but Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson, thirty six percent owned who caught 7 out of 10 targets for 68 yards in Week 1. Most of us remember Chris Thompson from a couple of years ago, where in PPR leagues, he would win you the week. He's a fantastic wide receiver uh, slash running back, as far as I'm concerned. Big fan. As a third-down passing back. He also gets some carries. But with Adrian Peterson being the back there, I only expect him to take over the third downs. And what you saw last year with Chris Thompson somewhat injured and Adrian Peterson doing well was that Chris Thompson didn't get any of those downs. Again, this is like a Delaney Walker situation where you forget about Chris Thompson and what he could do. Well, he's back, and he's still as good as he was a couple years ago. Yeah, he gets like the sixth most targets among running backs over the last couple years, and the Cowboys, you know, they're not... They're not the greatest defense right now. They gave up 17 or 18, you know, 17 points or something like that to the Giants. So um, I do expect there to be plenty of play from behind, plenty of garbage time for the Redskins, which means a lot more Chris Thompson rather than Adrian Peterson. So if I had to pick between those two guys to start, I'm starting Chris Thompson this week. In a PPR league? Um, In a half PPR league and in a standard league, I'm probably just going somewhere else. <laughs> All right, Tyreek Hill has a sternoclavicular joint injury, and it looks like four to six weeks out for Hill, but it could be more if rehabilitation after the four-week period and all of the rest, et cetera, doesn't go as expected. So Patrick Mahomes has a lot of people that he can throw the ball to. Let's talk about some of those people. Travis Kelsey, no problem. As long as he's healthy, he's going to get the ball constantly. Uh, As long as he's on the field, he will get the ball. Even if he's like banged up and playing still. Sammy Watkins is the number one wide receiver on that team. This past week, he got 9 of 11 targets for 198 yards and 3 touchdowns. 
That's probably the biggest story out of all of uh, the football stories from this past week, as far as who put up the most amount of points. As far as people who are on the field? That wasn't expected to on the field. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and honestly, it doesn't look like that'll There's be There's one or two bigger stories off the field. So if Tyreek Hill is, is out for four weeks, then Sammy Watkins will be the number one guy for four weeks. But let's remember that for the first time since his rookie year in 2014, Watkins is actually healthy. The beat reporters have said that. He's said it in interviews. Uh, every every subsequent year, he's had problems with his feet, problems with his back, problems with his neck, problems with his arms. Uh, now he's fine, and he showed it last week. So there is no reason why he will not be a wide receiver one going forward until such time as Tyreek Hill returns. Uh, Mecole Hardman, 27% owned, was targeted heavily on waiver wires this week, and we'll see what he can do against the Raiders that should be a, a kind of an open field for him. It should be his showcase game. But he didn't catch any passes in week one. Uh, I think he only had one target. But he didn't catch any passes, and he, and he wasn't targeted, which does not give a lot of confidence towards this fast rookie. A lot of people are saying, Mikael Hardman, he's the next coming of Tyreek Hill. I remember when Tyreek Hill was about to go to prison, and he wasn't going to play this year. Everyone was going to draft Mikael Hardman in like the fifth round of their drafts. Just because they have a fast rookie does not mean that he's going to be a good football player. I have seen nothing showing me that he is going to be anything close to what Tyreek Hill is. So I would say, personally, that Demarcus Robinson might be someone that you would be more likely to pick up and have perform as far as fantasy production. He's an under-the-radar guy, gets a boost from the whole situation. He's already out there. They trust him in uh, uh, all these different schemes. Um, I heard on uh, Roto World later this evening that DeAnthony Thomas might be a guy to pick up. I don't believe in that bullshit. No Mecole Hardman, no DeAnthony Thomas. I think it's Sammy Watkins, I think it's Travis Kelsey, and I think it's Demarcus Robinson. Because Patrick Mahomes is awesome, but they're not just going to throw down the field to some random who has not proven himself and doesn't seem like they can play with the big boys. I think they'll take a few shots, but his ceiling is, you know... A touchdown in 100 yards if he catches a couple balls. I don't believe in me. And his floor is nothing. Literally nothing. Well, we'll see it. But basement. I would not recommend you guys wasting your waiver wire or your acquisition budget on these guys just because they're on the Chiefs. Don't do it, man. Uh, there's better guys to, to put your budget on. That's what I say. Okay. I, I kind of disagree on Hardman. I feel like... Why you do know, you like Hardman? What, what proves that he's Tyreek able Hill to do Because Tyreek Hill felt it? like the same kind of player coming into the league. He was really fast and unpolished, and they didn't know uh, what he could do aside from return kicks really quickly or just beat the defense and hope that he catches the ball. So I think that a guy like Andy Reid can scheme him open. It's not going to happen right away. It may take the whole season for McCall Hardman to be very relevant, but I I don't want to write him off as quickly as you have. That's Well, all. one, if it takes the whole season to be relevant, then he's not relevant. He's not relevant, you know, and, for redraft. And two, uh, even our rookie expert, uh, Sean Foss, has said that Michael Hardman has a lot less credentials uh, and street cred and, you know, uh, good good shit coming from college than Tyreek Hill did. So, look, they still have Watkins, who we've all now basically anointed as a WR1 throughout the league. Um, perhaps that's because of the offense rather than because of his talent, but he does have a lot of talent, let's be fair. He's always I'll been be good when he was healthy, yeah. They have Travis Kelsey, and they have a strong running game. Yep. And I think that that's what they're going to lean on. And these secondary receiver types are going to be about as useful as they were last year, which is not very useful at all in fantasy. That's all I'm saying, man. We agree. 
Okay. I think we agree. <laughs> I, yeah, you know. You, just, you must have picked I think up, we'll see a little. I you think, must have picked up Nicole. I, yes, I did, but I think we're going to see him a little more than you think. I, I don't think so. I think that Patrick Mahomes loves throwing a deep ball. Yeah. And, you know, few people can – what an interesting set, and I forget where I had heard this, uh, so I apologize for stealing it, but here we go. Um, some of these guys are so fast that some quarterbacks can't throw the ball downfield quick enough to catch up to them. But Patrick Mahomes does not have that problem. So uh, th- this could be an interesting combination. Well, we'll see. I, I, I certainly, uh, uh, I think that he'll get an opportunity, and and I guess that's all that matters, right? Yeah. Hunter Henry, uh, tibial plateau fracture, which is a rough injury, but not as bad as as those crazy words sound. Uh, good news. I don't is know. It, fracture is pretty bad. It's. I know that word. It shouldn't require <laughs> surgery. Injuries to the left knee, and again, just like we talked about earlier, uh, with uh, another guy with Geis. Uh, it is to the knee, which has not had an ACL, so that's good news. There are new techniques to inject calcium into the fracture area to enhance healing and speed upon his return. That's good news. It's, it's really kind of neat that you learn about uh, about new medical technology through football. A lot of these guys, for example, if you have... Wait they start using stem cells. If you have a, a, a tibial fracture um, and you're just a regular guy, you, you might take three months to get back to normal oh that's rough but hunter henry will probably be back on the field in six weeks the next guy up is virgil green one percent owned but he has never really been fantasy relevant i think it's more likely we either see antonio gates or someone traded or the chargers simply put virgil green out there and redistribute his targets uh hunter henry's targets to austin eckler and mike williams whatever happened to ladarius green uh, I don't know. Is he out of the league? He was on the Steelers, and then he was dropped from the Steelers, and he couldn't be healthy. So I, I haven't heard anything from him after he was released from the Steelers. He has not been anywhere since 2016. Um, Mike Williams is my favorite target here, and there is a, a questionable bit uh, with Mike Williams about a knee injury. He actually played in Week 1, and he did okay, but um, but after, I think, uh, getting a reception or, or two or something like that, he bowed out of the game by himself. He said, uh, my knee was feeling tight, etc. So I don't know what that means. Uh, we haven't heard anything more about that. Mike Williams is totally necessary on the Chargers. The Chargers have had a lot of injuries now on the offense and holdouts and uh, defense injuries. We know the Chargers have bad luck, but we don't want them to be the Redskins. No, they won't be the Redskins. Don't worry. There's got a long way to go to be the Redskins. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of West Coast teams coming and playing at noon uh, on the East Coast this year or this week. Uh, you've got Arizona, Seattle, um, the Chargers, and the where's the other one? 49ers. All have to come east and play uh, a noon game. Yeah, that's rough. That's traditionally very rough on those guys, yeah couple guys left that I'll breeze over quickly. Uh, Sterling Shepard, concussion. He may or may not make it back to week two. The wide receiver core that they currently have without Shepard is Cody Latimer, Benny Fowler, and TJ Jones. Not a great receiving core. Um, the only guys that benefit from, from Shepard being out are Evan Engram and Saquon Barkley, but they're already going to do fine 
Uh, so it's not like you're going to take them out of your lineup or put them into your lineups. This is basically a moot point. If those people that have Sterling Shepard, you should probably try to find someone better to play. Find someone on a, a better team. Devin Funches with a broken collarbone. A lot of people don't like Funches. That's fine. He was performing pretty well, though, in the preseason and looked to be a good receiver for the Colts. He had five targets in week one. And with Funches out, you're going to have more targets spread around and you no longer have that wide receiver one. Like him or hate him, you're going to move up. Uh, well, T.Y. Ty, Ty Hilton is the wide receiver Wide receiver, one. too. To like him or hate him, you're going to move up other guys. So that's going to be maybe Paris Campbell. And so this is where uh, the interesting guys to pick up comes in. 5% owned, Paris Campbell as a rookie should be forced to step up. And we should see even more passes to the tight end tandem of Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. I know that Jacoby Brissett likes Jack Doyle. I know he likes passing to the tight end in general. I would not be surprised if uh, if we see both Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle in the top 10 of tight ends a couple times this year. Oh, well, it's not too hard, I suppose, to hit, let's be honest. That, that bottom, that, that 10th tight end is usually a touchdown, and that's about it. So we'll see, but I, I do like those guys a lot. So week two will be fun. It starts tomorrow night with the uh, uh, Tampa Bay playing the Panthers, right? Uh, That game is in. I have too many tabs open. How do you manage it, Dave? You always have a 1,000 tabs open. That game is in Carolina. At some point, I I can't even see the Favicons anymore. Uh, It just shows me the tab icon. Um, I, I usually you don't have, get a title or anything. I usually have thirty tabs open on my browser. I have ten tabs and I'm lost. Anyways, uh, I move them around. Some great matchups <laughs> that I think that uh, you can exploit this week. Uh, so far, you've got the Cowboys are playing in Washington against the Redskins. The Redskins did explode last week in the first half. They went up like twenty to nothing on the Eagles. Uh, then they gave up a ton of points uh, to the wide receivers. Uh, to the Eagles wide receivers in the second half, they give the third most points to opposing wide receivers uh, overall on the week. So the Cowboys had a spectacular passing game in week one. It was Dak Prescott's best game as a pro. I believe he had a perfect passer rating. We had two quarterbacks with perfect passer ratings last week. I bet you, I haven't looked it up, but I bet you that's never happened before. Or it's happened like once or twice at most. Okay. Um, anyways, that's beside the point. Uh, so two of the receivers went over 100 yards, uh, and four guy, four different uh, pass catchers caught a touchdown. There was Cooper, there was Gallup who caught touchdowns, and then uh, both of the tight ends, Jason Witten, who pulled a rabbit out of his head, and um, who's the other one? Blake Jarwin caught a touchdown as well. All of those guys also had at least three receptions each. So... Um, Dak Prescott is spreading the ball around. He is playing out of his mind. He wants to get a huge contract. He's going to, uh, you know, he's going to bleed Jerry Jones dry after he saw that he gave Ezekiel Elliott a whole bunch of money. So, obviously, you want to start Cooper. He did apparently have his foot 
flare up a little bit at the end of the game, but if he's in, then he's probably able to run. And I think it's one of those injuries with the plantar fasciitis where um, you you can't really hurt it anymore and you just got to deal with the pain. So they'll probably give him a shot and he'll be good to go. Uh, I like Michael Gallup as a decent WR3. Um, I think that he had a great game in week one. He had seven catches on seven targets for 158 yards. Um, he did not manage a touchdown. Sorry, it was Randall Cobb who scored a touchdown. Uh, so Michael Gallup had just a spectacular game though. And, uh, I am curious, Dave, to find out where you have Gallup listed. Uh, GA, if I can. So I don't, I don't believe personally that, uh, that this is sustainable production from Dak Prescott. Okay. I think that's rough. Uh, but I do have Gallup listed high. Uh, I, I mean, at least against the Redskins, he must be able to keep it up a little bit. I, I do believe in Cooper and Gallup doing well. You've um, got Gallup at 33. And um, I I don't think that the tight ends will have the touchdowns, etc. Like, that was a little bit above and beyond what we can expect. I mean, I don't think he's going to be throwing four touchdowns a week. Dak won't be. No. But at least two a week. And, you know, one of them's going to the wide receiver for sure. You were very high on Dak Prescott. I just... <laughs> I don't know. This offense looked really good, and they're playing another crappy team. I think we forget that week one in the NFL is generally a shit show of chaos. It is very much chaos. That's what I and teams don't even. That's know what I said in my column. What kind of offenses the other teams are running or what they're doing that's different? They don't get a chance to scheme until they see what they're doing on the field. Uh, I do agree with you though. He was throwing better than he normally did, uh, especially last year. I remember two years ago, Dak Prescott did a really good job. He had a great, a great year. He had a lot of fantasy points. But last year, he was not a very good fantasy quarterback. Uh, and, and maybe most of that was because he didn't have good receivers to throw to. So what I'm saying here is start your Cowboys receivers in order to exploit the poor defense of the Redskins. That's, the, that's what I'm picking on I'll here. I'll take in this Cooper matchup. and Gallup. Yeah, yeah okay. And you were going to start Cooper, but I want to, you know, stress start Gallup. And if you need to stream a tight end, obviously we've talked about several good options like Mark Andrews. Uh, we didn't even get to Darren Waller. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment, I suppose. But there are many options. But you could do worse than one of the Cowboys tight ends. Well, I basically I, I would go with Jarwin over Jason Witten. I basically got Cooper and uh, Gallup both in the top thirty-two. Um, so I'm saying that 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 two receivers on that team are going to be better than some number one receivers from another team. Okay. Uh, so we got the Raiders hosting the Chiefs. And, of course, the Chiefs have good matchups. Um, they always seem to because they're a stellar offense. Uh, but what I like here is what you're going to get with the Raiders. So the Chiefs gave up the fourth most points to opposing wide receivers in week one. So I like Tyrell Williams as a WR2. Darren Waller can be a high-end tight end, in my opinion, this week. Um, and I like Josh Jacobs as well. He's a solid RB2. He had a great showing uh, in week one. Clearly, they want to give him the ball a lot. He had 24 care, uh, twenty four touches, I believe. Uh, scored two touchdowns, so that was excellent. This game has shootout written all over it. So I say start your Raiders and, of course, start all your Chiefs in this game. Um, but I really do like what the Raiders put on tape in week one, at least. So um, I am now going to find out where you put Waller. And I have to scroll down a little bit to number 11, Dave. Well, he's moved up since last week. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, preseason he was like 30. So, good for him. So, I like Waller and Williams, but you should you should know 
that uh, that a team like the the Chiefs, for example, will be scheming against uh, what is, they think the the opposite defense will do to get first downs. And in this case, that's Darren Waller that they went to time and time again. So if they double team a guy like Waller, you have Williams. Who else is there on the team? Um, you have Judge Jacobs. Point being, uh, as far as receivers, if you can if you can get rid of the tight end threat. Then and and you can uh, yeah then it's it's Tyrell Williams or bust really so so I don't think that that he'll have a terrible day Waller I like Waller and Williams I like Jacobs too but I I, I think that the Raiders will implode eventually uh, based on other factors but I like the offense that they have I think that they'll do horribly against the Chiefs especially because they just lost their uh, their their brand new uh, rookie that's been doing so well, Jonathan Abrams. Yeah, well, they could definitely wind Sal- up, Mr. Salmon. Mr. Salmon, uh, this could be a fifty to thirty kind of game. But but when you say but that shootout, means that the Raiders you, are going to score a lot of points. When you say shootout, all you mean is that they're going to have to throw the ball a lot because they're the other team is scoring a lot. I think they're going to have to score a lot of points. I think that they will keep using Josh Jacobs even if they are behind. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to score a lot of points in this game because well, the Chiefs you, are going to do that as well. You just called out their top scorers, so I, I agree with you. I think they'll all continue to to put up points. Well, I'm you know don't be afraid to start them. I guess I don't know. I, I think that the Raiders are going to have a really good game. The Chiefs did not uh, do a lot to stop Gardner Minshew the second. You know, he still wound up putting a bunch of points against them. No, the Chiefs are a team that, that beats you because they put up 40 points, not not because their defense is, uh, is a steel wall. Right. Um, so the Patriots at the Dolphins. Yes, of course, the Patriots have a good matchup. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, however, I do expect most of the work of the Patriots this week to come out of the backfield rather than uh, Tom Brady uh, from last week. So... Um, the Dolphins gave up the third most points to opposing running backs, and they didn't face uh, one of the amazing running backs in the league like the Colts and the Rams did, who gave up the first and second most points to opposing running backs. Uh, so the Dolphins obviously are a terrible team. The Patriots are probably going to go up early and just run the ball 40 times in the game, uh, which means you're going to get some Burkhead sprinkled in among uh, Sony Michelle and James White. I think that Michelle and White are the guys that you're going to want to start this week. Um, and I think the Patriots will be just fine in Miami. They have a history of losing in Miami. Uh, that is going to end very quickly because the Patriots are as good as they've ever been and Miami is as bad as they've ever been. I generally agree with you, except that uh, last year, for example, the uh, uh, and, and certainly week one of, of this year, the Miami Dolphins have been allowing a lot of points to the quarterback. Um, so I, I don't know why they wouldn't throw it. It seems like Tom Brady just likes to go through the motions and exercises. Uh, we, because Bill we, Belichick always gives you what you don't expect. And with Antonio Brown probably playing this week, that's what everyone's going to expect. It, they'll just run the shit out of the ball. Okay. It's just what I think. This is this is where I am going. I even, I think, have a team with the two of them. And granted, my running back... Depth is not what I'd want it to be on that team, but I believe I'll be starting the two of them this week on a team. Well, I hope it works out for you. I I do think they're going to beat the Dolphins, so no worries there. (laughs) I hope it works out for me too, Dave.
thanks for joining us this week. Um, I think that's about all we got right now. If you have any questions, you can always uh, add us on Twitter. Is that how the kids say it, Dave? No. At me. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> uh, ask us questions on Twitter. We did have one question we could maybe try to answer really quickly. You want to do that? We're at Drink5 okay. on Twitter. So, Dave, would you drop Tevin Coleman to pick up a guy like Ronald Jones or Giovanni Bernard? Or are you going to hold on to Coleman because he has trade value? I would I would drop Tevin Coleman to pick up Giovanni Bernard. All right. And I like what I saw out of Ronald Jones this year, this last week. Um, he's the only one who looks like a real running back on that team. I think they'll continue to be a committee over there. And the only thing about Giovanni is he's the only person behind Joe Mixon. And so Joe Mixon might not even play. And even if he does, he's... Uh, Giovanni will still have fantasy value. So uh, you could go with someone like Ronald Jones if you want. I feel like that has a little bit more risk to it is all. All right. I, I'm, in, I'm in your backyard with this, Dave. But, you know, play play a guy that's playing is uh, the general. That's a good way of doing it. All yeah. right, Dave, drink five. Cheers, man. It was a good one, buddy.